You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Episode 69 of the Habs Culture podcast. And for those of you that listen regularly, I made a mistake last episode. So last episode was episode 68. This week, we're episode 69, approaching 70 here. So it's it's been a it's been a pretty crazy ride all in all. It's it's interesting to see how far we've come, but I'm excited to get this episode underway, Liam. We're over a quarter of the way through this NHL season. I, I can't believe it. I didn't the, t- the time's flown by. The Habs, unfortunately, have pretty much stayed stagnant throughout the whole season, fluttering around that 500, which we've talked about week after week. So we're not going to harp on that too much this week. But a quarter through the season, obviously some teams are showing off. Some teams are still at the bottom of the barrel, whether it's Edmonton or Minnesota. Some teams still have a lot left to be desired. But nonetheless, a very interesting NHL season so far, Liam. Do you have any notes, any 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 comments about the NHL season so far? Habs aside here. I think we're at a point where we're seeing the good teams finally start to rise a little bit like Edmonton who's on a bit of a bit of a heater for four wins in a row and we're seeing some of the bad teams finally come back down to earth like Anaheim and Anaheim's lost 8 in a row and Columbus who continues to lose. So, I think it's starting to get back to being, you know, kind of what we expected and uh but yeah, all that aside, it's been pretty exciting so far. And finally, McDavid is back at the top of the league. And I guess I'll just shoot this. Uh, I'll throw this onto you right away here. If you had one team that was impressing you the most so far and making a jump up these rankings and that you think could be a force down the stretch, is there one team in particular? Are you saying like a bad t- a team that started off t- pretty poorly? Yeah, and medi- mediocre. Good? Mediocre. That's not in the mediocre? top five right now, let's say, in the league. Uh... That's a good question, honestly. I mean, I still think Edmonton is going to make the playoffs, but I think they're still too low to make a decision about right now. Um, honestly, that's that's tough to say. I honestly really like the Panthers right now. They're looking yep. pretty pretty good, and I mean, with in the league, yeah, and with with Vassy back as well, I think Tap is going to start to win some more games as well. So, those are two teams I, I like. I think that there's one team for me, really. I mean, if you look down the list, you see a team right in the middle and you look at the New Jersey Devils. Now, without Jack Hughes they and Nico Hishier, they had a lot of they had a lot of trouble putting the puck in the back of the net. And they've got some really subpar goaltending as of late. But with those two guys on the ice, it's a difference maker down the middle. And they really, really complement, or not complement, they actually drive play, right? And their wingers um, take advantage of that. So I think that that's a team, a New Jersey team that can make a, a that can shoot up shoot up the division in that Metro and, um, you know, contend for a top three spot, if not the first spot. I don't, look, I don't want to say it's too late because we're only 23, 20, you know, quarter of the way through the season. But I think that they can really make a difference down the stretch if they happen to stay healthy. For sure. Um, in terms of health, though, last night's game against the Florida Panthers, the Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens got absolutely rinsed. I mean, 5-1 was the final score. Primo did not look very good. Very weak glove that game. And maybe that was one of his weaknesses that got exposed. But a very tough game for the Canadians all around. But that was headlined by the loss of Alex Newhook. Now, no one knows the timetable for his return. Right now, he's considered day-to-day. 
But once again, for maybe a third season in a row, Liam, the Montreal Canadiens players are dropping like flies. Kirby Doc to start the season, followed by Arbor Jackeye, followed by Jordan Harris, followed by Raphael Harvey Pinard, and now we're at Alex Newhook. It's one thing to be bad in this league. It's one thing to tank. It's one thing to, I guess you could say, project an unsuccessful season. However, it's also one thing to lose some of those players that are such an integral part of your rebuild. And if Alex Newhook goes down now, I think we can make the assumption that now Armia is going to be a full-timer in the lineup for a little while. Pazetta is going to draw back in. And this team continues to take hit after hit after hit. And the, the core looks terrible. They're 24th in the league. And I think it's only down from here. But Liam, speak to me about these injuries. What jumps out to you the most? Who's being affected the most? How's this team's outlook? In a, how, what's the outlook of this team down the stretch? Just to add into that injury list, uh, Savard as well. Thank you. Long yeah, thank term. You but uh, yeah, it's it looks like uh, we're shaping up to have another season where the Canadians are leading in man games lost, which you know has been a, a key factor as to why they're doing so poorly every year, and it's it's just very disappointing to see. And we, we say this every episode, but it's it's just sad that we can't have our players develop because those key or those significant top players like Kirby Dak, like. Harvey Pinard, like they're all just not able to contribute anymore, which is going to hinder the performance of other players, right? So at the end of the day, you can't do much about it, but the luck is just not there with the Canadians right now. And unfortunately, it, I just don't see how, you know, we're, we're going to be able to get the best out of our players, so to say. Yeah, I think that's very fair. And speaking of of that, I mean, right now the lines are looking like top six at least, are looking like with Newhook healthy, Newhook on the left, Suzuki down the middle, and Brennan Gallagher on the right. And then that second line is still centered by Dvorak with Caulfield on the left, Slavkovsky on the right. Now I'm going to pop up a quick video here or or just a, a soundbite from a, from an interview with Uri Slavkovsky before, uh, or sorry, before the Panthers game, uh, talking about his line mates and the, fe the effect that they've had on him as a young player so far in this league. To play with Cole yeah, it's so much a lot of fun. Yeah, obviously he's a great player, and yeah, it's it's good to just getting better every game. So yeah, I just hope we'll keep progressing. You have a, a veteran at sentiment, as a sentiment too. Um, what's what is he bringing uh, to you guys? Because you're still young, obviously you're still learning the game. What is he bringing to to your life? I would say Divo is like the calm player. He's always like knows what to do with the puck. Like he's good on both sides, and yeah, it's just just great to have centerman like like Divo that knows how to play on both sides of the puck. Because yeah, I would say me and Cole are sometimes more on offense, and he he always takes care of of like being the responsible most responsible one. I would say, but yeah, I think it's yeah it's great to play with him. So as we could see there, Liam, he talked about two aspects of the of that line so far. Playing with Cole Caulfield and having a guy like Dvorak down the middle. Now, the Caulfield aspect I totally get. You're playing with a guy that's electrifying, basically primarily on offense with his goal-scoring ability. This week he's had, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's two goals this week. One against San Jose, one against, or sorry, in the past week. One against San Jose, one against Columbus. So I two think assists. he's starting to pick. 
two assists. No, I'm talking. I'm talking. I'm talking about. I'm talking about Caulfield right now. Oh, okay, okay. Two, two goals from Caulfield this yeah. week. Um, Slavkovsky, yeah, he's chipped in with two assists as well. That's five points in eight games for him. Um, so obviously you you can't complain much with with uh with Cole Caulfield's game. Nineteen points in twenty three games. I think that's pretty pretty impressive and a lot of people obviously knocked him for not being able to contribute from a uh, playmaking standpoint but clearly he's proving against that so that's nice to see the one thing I want to talk about and obviously he's never going to talk poorly about his teammates but it's the Dvorak aspect we talked about this on last episode and obviously the Canadians are missing Kirby Doc down that middle on that second line but I think I think having a guy like Dvorak right right now in that spot is actually hindering their development a little bit what do you think um, yeah, we, we touched base upon this uh, last episode, and I think we saw a bit of it more this past week. Um, you know, Slavkovsky and Caulfield were able to produce pretty well, but Dvorak just wasn't really there. I mean, if you look at it just in terms of when they're on the ice, Dvorak, like, again, he's not going to be that flashy player who's racking up points and making these flashy plays, but at the end of the day, you still need a player who's going to feed Slavkovsky and, and Caulfield, and I don't know if he's that guy right now. Yeah, fair enough. And obviously, there's not much that they can do anyway because what? It, who who are we going to put there, right? We talked about Monaghan last episode, potentially even thinking about Jake Evans, but at this point, is it really... Like, is that going to make all the difference? I don't think so. I think you just need Doc healthy in, in this lineup, and obviously, that's not something that we can just, you know cling on to for the rest of the season it's the reality of it he's injured and he'll be back next season hopefully healthier and ready more ready to play than ever um and on this same vein talking about up and down the lineup obviously we saw josh anderson drop and we're not going to spend too much time on this because he just hasn't been able to score and that's and that's it there's not really much else to say um but nonetheless i want to pull up one more clip uh from after the florida panthers game with martin st louis talking about his lineup or his team's gameplay uh, against the Panthers, and more specifically, Josh Anderson's gameplay against the Panthers. Bonjour, bon match. Dès le départ, j'avais tout, j'avais pas de passagers. On était là. Bonjour, bon match. Comment qualifies-tu ce soir l'effort de l'ensemble de ton équipe? Bonjour, bon match. Marty, a couple of your players in the room thought Josh Anderson was your best player tonight. Mm -hmm. What's it going to take for this guy to get rewarded? Josh is back. You saw it tonight. Josh is back. He fought angry. He's back. Josh is back. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and harp on Josh Anderson. It's not worth it. Is he back though, Liam? He played a good game, but is he back? And what is back? Yeah, what, here? yeah exactly. What what is back <laughs> meaning in this case? I'm just like a key takeaway from the game. He did play like an aggressive style. Like he was finishing his hits. He he's got to be that player who is tough to play against, which I think he was last night. But then again, he has zero goals in twenty three games. This guy's getting paid five and a half million. We talked about this, but at the end of the day, it's a business. And if you're not performing at your job, then you don't deserve to play. And, you know, we saw it yesterday that he was taken off power play one. Unfortunately, new hook went down and he was back up on power play one. But he can't be rewarded for this type of play. So 
I don't know if uh, saying Josh Anderson is back is the right term to use here because, I mean, when Josh Anderson is back, he's scoring goals. This guy was a 27, a consistent 20 goal scorer and put up 27 goals in Columbus one year and had a really good first season in Montreal. So I don't think term Josh's back is the right, uh, you know, the right thing to say right now. I think it might be Martin St. Louis just pumping his tires a little bit. Obviously, no confidence right now. Poor guy. You you got to feel for him. It's 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 yeah. tough. The, the, and we 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 discussed this privately, right? The NHL is a business. You got to make business decisions. And we, I, I personally, yeah, I think that he brings a lot to the table. Maybe like just not from a goal scoring standpoint right now. Last night he did play tough. He did finish his hits. He was feisty on the forecheck. But again, does that merit five and a half million dollars? Not, no, no, not in this league. And if you look at Patrick Laine, who's getting paid a significant amount of money, was benched in Columbus, obviously did not take it very well. But you know what? Sometimes a game off like that to send a message or maybe just to get your mind straight and get back into the swing of things is not always the worst thing. 100%. I'm just going to take, take a moment here to shout out our sponsors at DraftKings. Bet the action on the ice with DraftKings Sportsbook. Guys, right now, there's no better time to be betting on the NHL we're in full swing, and the truth is, is that you can pretty much bet on any prop you want, any game you want with the DraftKings Sportsbook. Whether it's goal scorer props, or whether it's shot on net props, or whether it's even save props for your favorite goalies, these are all available on the DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code THPN. New customers can get 150 bucks instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on hockey. That's code THPN. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. NHL and the NHL Shield are registered trademarks of the NHL Hockey League. Copyright NHL 2023. All rights reserved. All right, so now we got that out of the way, Liam. Two wins against San Jose. Sorry, one win against San Jose, one win against Columbus. So two bottom feeder teams where the Montreal kind of where Montreal just, you know, toughed it out and pulled the win, uh, pulled the win out. They got a win against San Jose in the shootout in San Jose and got a win in Columbus by a score of four to two with an empty net goal there. And they took two losses, one to the LA Kings and one to the Florida Panthers. So two stronger teams there. But nonetheless, they didn't. They looked flat. They did not look good. And I think that's just, you know, that's just what we're going to see pretty consistently throughout the season. So we'll leave it at that. Um, next thing up on the list here, on uh, for a talking point here, is uh, we talked about the goalies last week. We talked about the three goalie carousel. The Montreal Canadiens go ahead and sign Samuel Montalbo to a three-year extension worth three point one five million dollars. So Liam, initial thoughts. Do you think that's a fair price for Samuel Montalbo? Where do you see him? what kind of goalie do you see him being down the stretch in terms of a 1A, a 1B, a timeshare, a backup? And uh, and is he is he the guy of the quote-unquote future? 
I, I love the contract personally. I, I think that's a well-deserved amount. And I think the term is really good because he's going to be able to ease into this role that I think he's going to take because it seems like, you know, we're, we're not going to trade him after signing him now. So we can pause the trade talks on him. But that begs the question, is Allen the one on the way out now? So obviously, let's keep it at Montembeau. I think it's really good. He's been playing really, really good hockey. Um, he only got one start this past week, but he's going to get two this week. And, you know, we're going to see how he continues to progress. But I'm happy with it. I'm glad we got him signed. And I'm curious to see what happens with, uh, you know, this three, three-headed three monster in this carousel. My, I don't know if I'll call it a hot take, but my take on the three-headed on the three, the, the the goalie carousel, I think I think it needs to go. I think it needs to go. For I sure. think I think when you're not giving guys, especially a young guy in Montembeau, a young guy in Primo, and a vet in Allen, right? Like if they're not getting consistent starts, and even if it were a 50-50 split, no problem. But that's 40 games each. Now you're taking 82 games and splitting it three ways. There's no consistency. There's no you're not allowing any of the goalies to get hot per se, which is which is not ideal in this league. And I understand that holding on to Primo might have some value considering there's probably some team out there, <clears throat> Edmonton Oilers, that should probably trade for a for a goalie. But also we can't forget that we're a rebuilding team that needs to prioritize the development of their players. And a young goalie in Montembeau, fresh off a contract, deserves to get a majority of the games. So we'll see how that goes down the road. But let you chime in. Yeah, but when you're playing one game every seven days, like you just have no opportunity to get hot, like you said. So it... You just got to get rid of w one of them so that you can get at least a 50-50 split. And I think this is the situation that Buffalo's facing as well right now with uh, Uko Pekalukin and Devin Levi and uh, and Eric Comrie. And, you know, they realize that Devin's probably their go-to goalie in the future. So they sent him down, let him develop. So obviously, uh, it seems like the Canadians' management is scared that they're going to lose Primo to waiver so they can't send him down. But the only solution is here is that you got to get rid of one of them. So... I think Allen's that guy who's uh, going to be traded out. Yeah, and I'd and I'd hope I'd hope so just for the sake of of giving you know a chance to the two younger goalies. And look, I think after this season, even though I think you know the needle is pointing towards Primo not being the guy, I think giving him a sufficient amount of starts and a significant chance to demonstrate his value, show off what he can do, is the right thing to do before making a final decision on him as a future Canadian. So well, yeah, a significant amount of games would be important, I think. If you if you hold on to a guy this long and you know keep him in your system for so long, you can't just give up on him when he finally gets the chance to come up to the NHL. So I think you got to hold on to Primo in this case. It, it just wouldn't make sense to me if you just let him go for nothing. You know what I mean? For sure. And just to look at uh, Monty a little bit in depth here, I was looking at it, a few similar contracts. All right, he got the $3.15 uh, million there over a three-year span. So three, $3.15 a year. Similar contracts, Anton Forsberg of the Ottawa Senators, Mackenzie Blackwood of the San Jose Sharks, Ville Husso of the Detroit Red Wings, and um, Aiden Hill of the Defending Cup uh, Vegas Knights. So a couple of those contracts are a little higher. A couple of those contracts are a little bit lower. But nonetheless, for a guy that's probably going to be a 1B of the future, or you know what, maybe maybe he'll he'll be a guy that will get, you know, 25 to 35 games or 20 to 25 to 30 games a year and play at a consistent level. I think that's pretty solid when considering who else is in that conversation with with that term and that money. Sure. Um, 
And just to move on, career stats-wise, he has an 897 save percentage and a 3.42 goals against. So obviously nothing strong there, but he's also been playing on Montreal his whole career. So they've never been particularly strong as long as he's been their goalie. But this season, he's turned it around with a 910 save percentage and a 2.73 goals against. And he saved 2.7 goals above expected. So obviously things are on the up and up for Montembeau. He's showing his value on a pretty bad hockey team. So I think that contract is more than fair. And I think that he's proving why he deserved that money. Um, do you want to add anything there? No, I think that's good. You covered it all. You want to move on to, uh, you know, how our predictions did this last week. Yeah. So we're going to move on to that. So Liam went four and oh, I, I think I, guys, I think Liam brought that up cause he wanted to show that he went four and oh, but anyway, <laughs> Liam went four and oh in his predictions. He's now an all time or all time in the last two weeks. He's gone seven and one. So, Hey, pretty impressive stuff there. I went three and one. I predicted a loss to Columbus, but they got it. They got the job done. So can't can't harp on Very that. Very respectable and, record. And six and two, six and two all time. So Liam Liam has the the edge on me right now. I'll I'll give it to him, but I don't think it's gonna last <laughs> too too long. But nonetheless, let's look at the upcoming games for Montreal for the moment. Liam, do you have that in front of you as I'm pulling it up, or uh, I can I can Let grab me pull it, it up right now. Okay, I'll, I got, I'll I got it. it. We got, okay, go uh, ahead, so. yep. So tomorrow, Saturday, December 2nd, we got the Montreal Canadiens versus the Detroit Red Wings in Montreal. Then on Monday, December 4th, we got the Kraken coming over to Montreal. And then on Thursday, we got a rematch with the LA Kings in Montreal. So a three game home stint, couple rematches here. We played Detroit earlier in the season. And uh, played the Kings last week. So a three-game week, not as big as last week. And uh, yeah, let's give our predictions. Um, I'm I'm going to go with a, a loss to Detroit here, a win against Seattle, and a loss to LA. So my prediction is one and two for the week for the Canadians. I think Detroit, I, again, like I said, what I've been seeing from the Canadians as of late is very, very poor hockey. The fact that you had to go to overtime with San Jose... And the fact that you squeaked out a win against Columbus, two teams that are, well, one team that's significantly under 500, the other one, which is also under 500, but floats around it. I mean, look, they struggled. They struggled. They struggled against good teams. And now you're going to put them up against a Detroit team who, with a newly acquired Patrick Kane, which we could talk about for a minute. And also the LA Kings, who, in my opinion, look like an absolute wagon in the Western Conference. Yeah. Seattle, to me, fell off a cliff. And I think in the earlier predictions that we made, I actually had Seattle finishing maybe like top four in the division. I'm, I was completely wrong. You guys can you guys can rip on me for that, no problem. They they look bad. They don't look like a unit. They're not playing the same as they did last year. But I so, but I think Montreal might squeak a win in there at home Monday, the fourth. Yeah, I I think the moral of the season is that the Canadians are gonna squeak out some wins or most of their wins against sub five hundred teams, which is what we've seen so far, um, and they'll get pretty much pumped by uh any top 10 team so this week we're playing you know two solid teams and one weaker team i'm actually gonna say we we beat detroit if patrick kane plays in montreal though that would be really cool as a as a debut yeah that would be really cool yeah and then against the kraken i'm gonna say we lose i think they're a very good offensive team they just lost Jaden schwartz for six weeks and he's been pretty good but Nonetheless, I think they're a very good offensive team, but they struggle heavily in net. That was the moral of the story last season when both of their goalies 
had a sub 900 save percentage and they still somehow made the playoffs which is actually unheard of like when does a a, a team finish with two sub uh, 900 save percentage goalies and you know have a have an overall solid season but i don't think that's going to be the case this season they're good offensively so i'm going to say they take advantage of the canadians in that aspect and then unfortunately like you predicted i'm going to say we lose to the kings because they just look absolutely amazing maybe a top three nhl team right now so i'm going to say uh one and two like you did but i have the red wings losing to montreal and the kraken beating them okay i like it a little bit of uh a little bit of uh diversity disparity there diversity there absolutely um talk to me talk to me right now look we're we're a habs podcast but right now there's it's not it's not like there's a ton of habs news to chat about give me your rundown on patrick kane why is this a good move for Detroit? Was it the right place for assuming that it was his decision to choose between any team he would have liked? And the top, the, uh, the the front runners were the Florida Panthers. Correct me if I'm wrong. The Florida Panthers, the Buffalo Sabers, the Detroit Red Wings. Am I missing one there? I think Dallas was in there. Maybe okay. maybe Toronto but, and New York a little. I'm not sure. Okay, but nonetheless, nonetheless, he went with Detroit. Do you think that was the right pick? I mean, he's going back to play with Alex DeBrincat, which is awesome because their days in Chicago were a lot of fun to watch. But do you think that he makes this team significantly better? And if he does, is Det- did Detroit get a lot scarier in that Atlantic? I think this is, you know, I think Patrick Kane wants to have fun at the end of his career, right? I don't think Detroit's the best team and, you know, the most likely to get him a Stanley Cup, but he gets to be with, you know, his best friend, I guess, so to say, in Alex DeBrincat. And, you know, Detroit started the season really, really strong and they kind of fell off a little bit and, and Dabrinkit and Larkin sort of lost that magic that they had at the start of the season. So they've started to play on separate lines. So it's going to be cool to see probably Dabrinkit and Kane play together and then Larkin be on that, you know, I, I guess the top line with Raymond and someone else. So I wouldn't say we're going to see Kane, Dabrinkit and Larkin together on the first line, but probably on the power play, which is going to be pretty scary because I think Kane still has that really good offensive ability. Two seasons ago, he put up like 98 points or something. So I don't think he's lost it yet. He's still very, very skilled, probably the best American player of all time. I think this does increase their chances of making the playoffs. I don't know how much how much Kane is really going to change it because I think the team overall is pretty good, but I think their chances go up. They're in a really tough division still. But I like I, I like the signing and I like it for Patrick Kane as well. I think he's going to be able to produce. Now answer this question for me, Liam. You talked about him being the best American-born player of all time, which I am in agreement. Do you think there's a world where either Austin Matthews or Jack Hughes surpass him as the best American player of all time? 100%. I, th- I think there's a possibility. I think Jack Hughes is still so young that we haven't even seen the best of him. So just imagining what he could do even more than what he did last season and you know just that presence and that domination he brings on the ice. I think it's super interesting and you know it's going to be fun to see in the future. Austin Matthews I I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a t- I'm going to leave that to you to answer. I'll give you my bold take then. I think both Patrick uh, Patrick Kane. I think both Jack Hughes and Austin Matthews will be better better American-born players by the end of their respective careers than Patrick Kane. Now, might be a little bit bold, but I think they both have it in the tank. 
one will might go down as one of the best goal scorers of all time. And the other one will probably be an 120 point score, if not more in this league up there in point totals every single year for the rest of his career. And he's still 22 years old. So Patrick Kane, all the respect to him. I followed him throughout his whole career. I think he's an absolutely fantastic hockey player. He pretty much changed the way the game was played in terms of skill, right? Him, Datsuk, so on and so forth. But I think that those two guys are special players. And as a result, I think that those two guys will surpass him. Uh, those two guys will surpass him as the as two of the better American board players of all time. I can't deny that. Um, all right. Should next, we uh, should, should we play our, our game here? A little Friday fun game? All right. We have this we have this set up. Now, look, let's put it this way, Liam. In no way, shape, or form is this a shot at Nick Suzuki. We just want to hear what you guys have to think. Now, this might bring up that we'll we'll have a conversation after, but I think that this really begs the question: is this Nick Suzuki the number one center of the Montreal Canadiens going forward? Now it's kind of hard to tell because they're not in that, they're not in a place to compete, and their second line center who was maybe a 1B in that case, was went out with an injury in Kirby Doc. So we don't know where Niskazuki is at necessarily. Just to, just to give you a little bit of background info here, Nick Suzuki has 18 points in 23 games. Unfortunately, right now he's sporting a minus seven. He's playing about 20 minutes per game. He's shooting at about 11.5%, which I think might improve over the course of the season. But Nick Suzuki, to me, right now, is not necessarily a game changer. Now, I don't think that's a shot at him. I just don't think he's a game changer. But nonetheless, Liam, I'm going to throw these questions onto you. We Our game that's set up is, is Nick Suzuki better than? I'm going to start it off right away. We have six or seven players here. First off, Elias Lindholm. Is Nick Suzuki better than Elias Lindholm? Elias Lindholm... I don't, I don't want to get ripped, but Elias Lindholm had a lot of success when he was playing with Kachuk and Goudreau. And then both of those guys go away, and all of a sudden, he's not really producing anymore too well. So if I'm putting Suzuki on a team with Kachuk and Goudreau, I think he's going to produce, and I think he's going to produce better than Elias Lindholm. So yes, I think Suzuki is better than Elias Lindholm. Very fair. Next player up. Nick Suzuki or Josh Norris? Josh Norris had a really good season a couple years ago with like 36 goals or something. But this season, again, hasn't been that great. So, you know, maybe some recency bias or just like overall game combined. I think Nick Suzuki's better. Next up, Nick Suzuki or Dylan Cousins? From a skill standpoint, I think it's Cousins but I don't think we've seen enough yet to say that he's better. So once again, I'm going Nick Suzuki. All right. So, so far three for three on Nick Suzuki is better than three players left. Nick Suzuki or Pierre-Luc Dubois. That's a tough one. I mean, attitude. I'm going Nick Suzuki, but overall game. I think it's actually pretty close. I think this is the closest one, honestly. But if I'm choosing a player to start a franchise with, I'm going Nick Suzuki again. <laughs> four for four here. <laughs> Nick Suzuki or Joel Erickson Eck? I think I'm 
going Joel Erickson act pretty convincingly. I think he's super, super underrated defensively. And he's had, you know, this kind of breakout offensively that very much improved his game overall. So I, I'm going to go Joel Erickson act. 18 points in 21 games so far for him this season. I think that he's kind of come out of nowhere, but nonetheless, he was a first round pick in 2015, but nonetheless, a very, very solid pick. And yeah, I don't think that's a bad take at all. And lastly, Nick Suzuki or Bo Horvat. Once again, I think I'm I'm not going to take Nick Suzuki here. I'm going to go Bo, Bo Horvat. He had a really, really good start to the season last year, then got traded to the Islanders where he didn't really produce as much, but he's kind of brought his game back. And, you know, in both aspects of the game, offensively and defensively, he's very, very strong, very underrated player, in my opinion. Give me Bo Horvat here. So that's it for that game. You took Nick Suzuki four out of six times. So very interesting. We want to hear what you guys have to say at home. This will be up on all social media. So let's make it controversial here. Definitely curious because Nick Suzuki, I think, still has a lot left to prove, but so do a lot of these players on this list. Try to match it up center-wise. I tried to add uh, match it up in terms of potential-wise, so I think it makes for a fun game. Um, now, we did our predictions, but Liam, one thing that we forgot to do was give our performer of the week. Last week, you took Sean Monahan for five points in four games. Unfortunately, although you had a great record, he had zero <laughs> points in four games. So I'm going to give you a little <laughs> bit of slack there. I took Samuel Montalbo for a 920 save percentage throughout the week. Now, he hit that in one game, so I don't know how impressive of a take that is. But anyway, my, my prediction hit. Yeah. Liam, do you have your performer of the week this week? Uh, yeah, so don't listen to my performers of the week because clearly that's uh, it hasn't been too good as well as the week before. But I'll, I'll give you the win for uh, Montalbo there. Just to bring it up quickly... I said it jokingly, but I said before the week, Kovacevic might be the player of the week. And arguably, you could say he was with two goals. So, you know, I'm going to try to be original again. And, you know, let me, let me let me check it out real quick. Armia also had one goal in two games, but I'm not going to give him. I'm going to give... Uh, hmm. I'm going to give Kaden Gooley the player of the week. Maybe not just from a points perspective, but overall game. So I he does shoot the puck pretty pretty often. I mean, nothing insane, but shoots the puck, blocks, hits, and he does put up some some decent points. So give me three points in four games from Caden Gooley, but oh, a very three games here. oh sure sorry so three games so give me give me two points from Caden Gooley and a plus. Plus three as well, since we'll measure it that way. So you said three points in three games for Caden Gooley? And two. A plus two. I, I switched a, it. Yeah, two, two and, and three, three and a plus three with a with a good balance of uh, shots, hits, and blocks. Hey, look, he, he's definitely our number one defenseman right now. There's no doubt about that. And I actually have a question for you before we get before I give you my performer of the week. Caden Gooley is going to need a contract sooner rather than later. Is this one of those instances where if you're Kent Hughes, you say our player comp is Jake Sanderson. So we're going to, we're, we're committing to an eight times eight is for, for Mike. There's two questions two two part of question. Is that, is that a fair evaluation for Caden Gooley at this point in time? That's my first question. No. My second question is, is do you <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. But say say the next question. I'll answer. 
yeah, I think he's way less at this point. But answer, I'll answer in more depth. And and okay. Secondly, does your answer based on that first question also is is it affected by the fact that at one point in time, David Ryanbacker and Lane Hudson will both be Montreal Canadiens, and at some point, needing probably lucrative contracts. Now, that's a massive speculation, but does that affect your answer at all? Uh, I don't think it affects my answer at all because uh, it's just too hard to tell at this point, but I don't think Caden Gooley is on that level of Jake Sanderson, not to mention Jake Sanderson was a top five pick. So I think that kind of shows that he might have way more potential and they paid for it, but I don't think Caden Gooley is worth $8 million at this point. Other players in the league that are, are comparable to those contracts are like Owen Power and I mean Kale McCarr is only making 8.5 or something like that so it, I, I think it's too hard to put Caden Gooley in that range as of now you know I think we have to see how the rest of the season plays out but I think he's more of a, a six million dollar range very fair I think that's fair I look I think I'll, I'll give this is my personal opinion I think that if that contract were offered and he were to accept it and the, and all of a sudden the headline shows up Canadians sign Caden Gooley to an 8-year extension worth 8 million dollars I don't think it's a bad contract I don't think so now maybe it's a little bit of an overpay but I think you're also paying for everything that comes with it I think you're coming with uh, you're paying for a potential future captain now I know Nick Suzuki is obviously still there to stay for a while he's still a young player but definitely an assistant captain an, a leader on this team he's on a point he's on a Currently, sorry, let me just pull this up just to give it to you. He's on a 35-point pace in 82 games. Now, 35 points in 82 games is nothing It's nothing to write home about by any means. Clearly, he doesn't have potential, the, the offensive capabilities like some of the other players do. But let's not forget he plays zero power play time. Zero. And look, we talked about Barron on that second unit. It's atrocious to watch. At one point in time, he's going to get that power play time. If he ever becomes a 40 to 50-point player in the future as a defenseman, as a young defenseman, he's only 21 years old. He was a first-round pick, mid-first-round pick. Look, I wouldn't be mad with that contract. Now, if he gets if he gets anything lower, I think the Habs steal it. I think the Habs steal him at that value. And to answer my second question, I think that those two guys, Ryanbacker and Lane Hudson, they don't play a massive role. But I think that we have to realize that at one point we're gonna we're gonna we can't be just keep giving out these these very lucrative contracts because you're gonna have to take advantage of people's ELCs at some point. Yeah. I mean, the one thing that I'm going to say is that um, the Habs have that salary, I don't know how to describe it, like that hierarchy where they don't really want to pay anyone over $8 million. So I, I just don't see how it would even be possible for Gooley to make more than Caulfield or Suzuki. I think it's really going to be like, I think from an, adva an advanced analytics perspective, Caden Gooley is the best defenseman on this team and it's not particularly close. I think he, yeah. I think he excels in pretty much every facet of his game, and obviously Mathen has that that point upside, that offensive upside. But we've never seen Gouli in in a position to succeed offensively. So, like I said, would I be would I be upset with eight times eight? No. Would I be more than happy with anything under that? Of course. But if they were to, like I said, if they were to give him eight times eight, I don't think it would necessarily be a terrible a terrible terrible contract because I think. Yeah, we you you said Sanderson might have a little bit of a higher offensive upside. He might be a better player all around. I don't disagree, but I think Caden Gooley's underlying numbers are actually pretty comparable. Um, if you think about it, fair but, enough. But anyway, look, we'll we'll see. I think uh, I, I'd have to check when he's due for a contract. I think he has one more year after this on his ELC. Correct me if I'm wrong. I believe so. Yeah. 
So, so we'll see if they try and get him locked up sooner rather than later. I think if they were to get him locked up, but but do you think that? And we'll keep this this conversation short. Do you think that there's a possibility that he maybe wants? He thinks he can earn more, so maybe he signs a bridge deal in that case. Yeah, I, I'd say that's definitely a possibility. If he doesn't really sh- have a an amazing rest of the season, I think that's that that will be the case. I think it'll be like a three uh, a three year contract. So, that I'd say that's more likely than him getting an eight year. Fair enough, and. So lastly, just to give my performer of the week, I'm I'm doing it, Liam. I'm doing it. I don't care. Uri Slavkovsky is my upcoming player of the week. I know we've it was going to happen. Hit behind it. We've hit behind it. We've you know we're, we've tried to we've tried to stay uh, out of the out of the uh, you know we start, try to stay away from the cameras and try to not garner all that attention. But I'm saying it. Uri Slavkovsky is going to have a point per oh. game this week. He's going to have a point per game this week. He's going to go three and three. And I think he scores a goal. I think he scores a goal. A goal, three points. Playing with playing with Caulfield. Playing with Devorah. I like it. I'm saying it. Look, five points in his last eight games. Obviously, but you know, I saw a tweet last night, and I think it's totally true. He shows up he on the road. No, no stress, no pressure. He plays a very complete game, I think. I think he's figured it out. The second they go back to Montreal, all of a sudden he's scared to play in front of that home crowd. He doesn't he's he's unwilling to shoot. He's un, it's 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 a little bit strange, you don't find? Yeah, I, I yeah, honestly, yeah. Yesterday there was a play where I think the the RDS commentators were ripping on him because he didn't shoot the puck and he had like it a, was on a it, it was the two on one, yeah. And he tried to saucer it over a, a defenseman who lied down, but yeah, I don't know when he's at when he's in Montreal. It's, uh, it's he plays a different game, so maybe maybe it's just being young. You know, you're in the spotlight. Obviously, it's very nerve wracking for a guy who's still not even twenty years old yet, but. You no, know, I'm glad. I'm glad you're choosing him. I'm glad I didn't have to choose him. But what no, the question is? Yeah, so it was gonna happen. But the question is, when will Josh Anderson be a performer of the week? <laughs> Until he could score a goal, then then they're then then they're gonna come in. Uh, they're gonna come in waves. So at that point, once he gets his first goal, you better make sure to lock in that performer of the week for Josh Anderson. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, cool. let's let's recap. Uh, yeah, you wanted to say something? Yeah, just a just a little quick, uh, you know, prospect check in. You know, we haven't done it in a couple weeks. Jacob Fowler, Canadians goalie prospect. He was drafted in the second round. Second, okay, he was a second round pick. He was named the goalie of the month in his respective league. He's been playing second absolutely amazing. He won, by the way. Yeah, he is playing for Boston College. College? Boston, yeah, having an outstanding season, looking really, really promising. And then uh, the boy, first-round pick, Philip Messar, player of the month in the OHL, not even playing on the top line. 22 points in 13 games. Absolutely unreal start to the season for him. Looking really, really good. He's on pace for like 99 points in 55 games. So very, very happy about that. Any comments about that, Justin? Liam, I want to I ask you a question. I, I straight up jinxed that, I think. I, I And in a good way, obviously. But I was not high on Philip Massar at all. At all. And I thought sending him back to the O, and at the time, you know, he was just point per game. And it's like, well, D plus one. Uh, D, now we're D plus two. Yeah, D, D plus, plus two, two season wasn't doing much at the beginning. And now all of a sudden, he's exploded, and he's looked like one of the better players in the OHL. So nice to see a player dominate their respective leagues from a Montreal prospect. And speaking of which, Lane Hudson, once again, continuing on, We'll continue to talk about him. Obviously excited to see him make the jump to the NHL. Um, but yeah, he's just lighting it up from an offensive standpoint. And I think that, you know, another that's another D prospect that we'll add to our uh, top six in the future. 
Owen Beck as well, playing really, really well for the uh, Peterborough Peets, I believe. Hey, these guys are these guys are officially in um, mid-season form, so you love to see it. And you know what? I, I I'm you know what I was I was thinking about it because I always I always harp on the fact that the Habs can't hit on their first round picks, and which is true to a certain extent. But you know what? It's it's also pretty impressive that we have a lot of guys in the pipeline that will be at least role players on this team. And you might be looking at me and say like. Well, who cares about a role player? But a lot of teams have have trouble filling out their middle and bottom six roles. And if you can have guys that 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 excel in those spots, it's actually pretty pretty valuable. For uh, sure. I mean, if you if you look at like a Tampa team that went back to back, they had the Coleman Gord Goudreau line, which was like the scariest third line in the NHL because they all just knew their roles perfectly. So obviously, you need need those guys on a team to be successful. At the end of the day. Big time. And j- just to highlight the stats for Lane Hudson, eight goals, eight assists, 16 points in 13 games. So, I mean, that's... I mean, right now he's looking like an absolute steal in the second round of the 2022 NHL draft. But we'll have to wait and see. These are guys that we're excited to watch play and hopefully hopefully their development continues and continues to grow. Is that it for you, Liam? Yeah, I think we covered uh, covered it all. But guys, let us know what you think about our takes on those American-born players Patrick Kane, Jack Hughes, Austin Nick Suzuki. Then we, Nick Suzuki, what are your takes on that? And, and what are your takes on Kane and Gooley? What's his next contract looking like? Do you think it's an eight times eight? Do you think it's a bridge deal? Do you think it's a, a an eight times six and a half? Whatever it may be, what's what's it looking like for Kane and Gooley? Is he a defensive of the future? But anyway, guys, thank you guys so much for tuning in. As per usual, that was ex- episode 69, episode 70 next week. So stay tuned and uh, make sure to check us, check us out on all socials. If you're watching on YouTube, they're all down below. But for those of you listening, HabsCulture.com to listen to all our episodes at HabsCulture for Instagram, at Habs underscore culture for X slash Twitter, and at HabsCulture, all one word for TikTok. So thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.